millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. Welcome again. My name is Todd Nettleton. We're in the studio today with Matthew Hansen. He is Voice of the Martyrs Regional Leader for South and Central Asia. And uh, we will talk about some of the countries in his region, uh, some of the, the ways that God is moving in those parts of the world. Matthew, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. It's great to be here, Todd. I know that you have been serving in this role for uh, about two years. What's been the biggest learning curve for you in that in that time? Well, I think I think one of the biggest adjustments is just realizing the diversity of India and just the the this country is so huge. But then in that, just I mean, since Modi has been elected, just the incredible change, the switch to the amount of persecution that's happening. Yeah. And I know not long ago you were in India. And so talk to me about the trip and kind of some of the people you met, some of the persecution stories you heard. You mentioned Prime Minister Modi, who has brought the the Hindu nationalist to the top levels of the government. Um, their philosophy is if you're in India, you should be a Hindu. This is a Hindu nation. If you're not, you should go find someplace else to live or you should convert and become a Hindu. Uh, those are really your choices. How is that playing out on the ground in a village or in a city where someone's trying to follow Christ? Yeah, so really the RSS is infiltrating all these villages and they they are finding where there's groups of Christians, even small fellowships, could even be fellowships of five to ten believers in these villages. Wow. And they are they are convincing then the local people who often just left the Christians alone. They might not have liked that they're following, quote, this foreign religion, but just left them alone. But now the RSS is mobilizing these local villagers to come against their own people and to persecute them. And even when I was there, I, was, I met a community of five families who go to this church. But it used to be a church of 33 families. Wow. But when the RSS came in, they convinced the local Hindus that, hey, you need to come against these Christians. So they threatened them that they would take away their property, their housing. They would no longer buy vegetables from them or go to their shops. And so this really pressured many of those going to the church to convert back to Hinduism. As I was listening to the story of these five families, I, I was thinking of First John 2.19 when John says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. When these families left the church and converted back to Hinduism, the believers, for the believers, it was like family members had died. You know, yeah. it impacted them that much. And I meet these people, and when I ask them questions, they give me very simple answers. So the answer of why did they go back to Hinduism is because they never really believed. It didn't take root. Yes, it didn't take root. And then, well, why did you stay? 
because Jesus is the only way to salvation. And every time I ask that question, they look at me like I'm funny, you know, like <laughs> I thought you, you know, you're from the West. You should know something you're about Jesus. To be yeah, than you're us. supposed to be Come smart. <laughs> but no, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is salvation only through him. I met this 77-year-old woman, uh, one of the the um, members of this family, and she she was crying and she said, I was disowned by my sons by my family. They, they disown me. And that's the ministry of the church, is that the church is filled with many widows and orphans because they actually, their families look at them as dead. Right. You know? And so now we have a calling to minister to them. And I joke, I, I told this, this 77-year-old woman, I said, well, I'll be your son. You know? <laughs> and I joked with a friend like, okay, I don't know what I actually committed myself <laughs> to. you know, But... Um, Probably not enough. I mean, this this woman just strengthened my faith by her boldness. And I asked her, so how how could you continue to follow the Lord knowing now you're disowned by your sons, your children? And she said, because Jesus has given me life. You know, he's real and he's the only God. So um, just stories like that continue to encourage us. Matthew, I know you also met uh, another pastor in India, and specifically his 13-year-old daughter. T- talk about that story, the, the persecution that that family faced, but also the response, even even from these young people, the response to that persecution has been pretty amazing. Yeah, Pastor Subesh, he, he was having Sunday service, and the RSS, the Hindu uh, radical group, came into the church and began threatening the believers as they were worshiping, and then saw the pastor and attacked him and began beating him. And his 13-year-old daughter, who was there, stepped in to try to prevent wow. them to do that. And, she, and, and they slapped her and threw her on the ground and began kicking her, and, and she had internal bleeding and is still receiving medical care because of that injury even today. So I, I asked, I actually asked her, what, did, what does she think about her attackers? And she said, I have no bitterness. I'm praying that they will know Jesus, you know, that they will know. At 13 years old. Yeah, at 13 years wow. old, you know. And then I, I turned to her and her younger sister and I said, do you, do you wish that your dad was like a farmer or a lawyer or a doctor and never became a pastor? And, but at the same time, both of them said, no, we are happy that our dad is a pastor. And you could just see so much pride in their father and his devotion to the Lord and his devotion to teach others about the Lord. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't sense any hint of bitterness in their heart or, or, or anger towards God. You know, you hear so many stories of, of children. They grow up, they see things that happen to their parents, and they— blame God for these things. But I didn't sense any of that, you know, wow. just a maturity of the children. I met a, a, another young girl. She was only six years old when the RSS came, barged into the church, and she grabbed her father's hand, the pastor, and ran him to the bathroom. And so the whole time the RSS was there, they could not find him, you know. And she said, we were praying. And the Lord said, take your dad and put him in the bathroom, you know. And just amazed how the Lord is protecting people and using people in incredible ways, yes. Matthew, when the RSS comes into a church service like that, India, the the Constitution promises religious freedom. It's legal to have a church. Yeah. So 
when the RSS barges into a to a church service that's going on, what do they say is their reasoning, or what do they say is the the crime that's being committed that they have to intervene right in the middle of a service? Yeah, what's interesting, I just talked about the families that were actually forcefully, pretty much forcefully converted back to Hinduism. And that's what the RSS accuses Christians of, is forcing people to convert to Christianity, which is, which is of course, ridiculous, or paying people to become Christian. There's no one that's ever been convicted, uh, no pastor, no believer that's ever been convicted of forced conversion. But again, the truth does not matter. Right. That doesn't Reality stop you from being matter. arrested. That's right. And and the one thing we've noticed over the last probably four months is that the RSS is done damaging the church and beating whoever they're beating, and then the police show up. And it used to be the police would then separate and tell the RSS to leave. Now the police actually show up with a charge sheet ready to charge the pastor. The pastor. The for, guy who just got yeah, beaten the up. The pastor that just got beat up for forcefully converting people. And so he's bloody, he's beat up, and they haul him to the police station. And, and the people um, who beat him just walk away. Just there. walk away. Um, they'll actually follow the police to the jail, chanting, and, and probably as a Westerner and someone that grew up in a country where justice is very much a part of our culture, it's very difficult. Right. And um, that's where I've learned so much from my Indian brothers and sisters about trusting the Lord. And and he's our king, you know. And and, and I'm just amazed that sometimes the, the, the kingdom focus, there are times I meet pastors and they say, no, I'm not going to charge those who beat me. I will shame them and there will be no opportunity for me to share the gospel with them wow. in the future, you know. And I'm just like <laughs> – <laughs> Yeah, but how about your rights, but brother? What about justice? <laughs> and um, so, so I think I think I have a like I said. I feel like I've been here for twenty years because I'm learning so much. You know, just I'm learning what it means to be a humble follower of Jesus Christ and to follow Him and um, to rely on Him. Not that we don't have these other things in, in place. We should praise the Lord for those things, but in the end. Uh, Jesus is who we have to hang on to. And um, yeah, so I, I learned a lot from them. Yeah. We're going to switch gears to a different country. But before we do that, I want to talk about India specifically as we are praying, because we want yes. to equip listeners to pray. What are some specific ways we can pray for Christians in India right now? You, you, I mean, you mentioned pastors being beaten. You mentioned the RSS mobilizing all over the country to shut down churches, to push people out of faith in Christ. What are some specific ways to pray? I met a lawyer in India, a woman, a believer, and she's—you wouldn't know she's a a lawyer, but she's so humble but has this passion. She said she was going to give up law, and then she met one of our, our project managers in India, and he convinced her, no, we need we you. We need Christian lawyers. Yes. So pray for people like her um, that just have a heart to help these pastors, help believers that are being falsely accused. In India, once they're accused and once they're put in jail, it's very hard to get them out, to get bail. It's a very different system than we have. So so they, they try to get the believer out of that situation before they're even put in jail. 
Uh, so pray for those lawyers. Pray for others that are ministering in the church, helping to strengthen these believers as they come under persecution and what to do, how to how to weather the storm, mm-hmm. per se. And yeah, pray. Pray for the RSS. Pray. You know, they say there's a very small percentage that would agree with this Hindu nationalism, very small percentage in India. So pray that people would rise up, that there will be more people that come to faith and that they will see the destruction that uh, the RSS and the philosophy of Modi have brought to to India. Amen. Yeah. Matthew, I know also not too long ago you were in Bangladesh and met— I, I love this. I, I already love this story, and you haven't told it yet. An imam now following Jesus and evangelizing in his mosque. Yeah, <laughs> you better explain that story. Yes, yes. <laughs> so um, I did an interview with several believers that had been persecuted, and I met this uh, elderly brother gentleman, and I asked him to share his story. And in the village he's from, he was an imam in the mosque. And in in the Quran, he read about Esau, about Jesus. So he began asking people in the village, I want to learn more. Do you have any other books about Esau? Esau. And so someone gave him a New Testament. And so he, he read the Gospels. He read more about Jesus. And he came to understand Jesus as the Savior. As, and the only way to salvation is through Jesus. So he began to teach more and more about Jesus in his mosque. And people begin to accuse him, you're now, you're a Christian, you've converted to Christianity. And he would have said, no, I'm not. I'm just following Jesus. I'm just, so in his mind. Who is mentioned in the Quran. In the Quran. I'm I'm just following the, yeah. Yes. And he, he didn't know any Christians. He was just simply sharing what he has learned. And then, uh, but they did. They finally kicked him out of the mosque uh, for converting to Christianity and you know, in the in in many of the cultures that we work in, it's very much an honor shame culture, and and some people would rather die than be shamed. Yeah, you know. So he was sharing with me how his brothers uh, beat him, uh, kicked him, and beat him, and then he said, even my nephew slapped me and then kicked me to the ground. And as he was saying this, I could just sense the shame in his heart that he is whole, his own nephew. I mean, even in our own culture here in the U.S., right. where we're not a high shame culture, would be quite shamed if our if my nephew beat me up. And I could just see the pain in his in his uh, in his eyes, and hear the pain in his voice uh, of the shame that he endured for Christ. But, you know, uh, our local partner there uh, sent, sent some people there to help disciple him and give him fellowship. And he's just uh, so encouraging, still going out there, sharing his faith with others in, in the same village. But it was just, a, just a, an incredible, one incredible impact for me to see how people endure shame for the gospel of Jesus Christ, but then how they persevere in continuing to share their faith with others. And he, being a former imam, is in a pretty unique place to to be sharing his faith. Uh, yes. I mean, he can answer a, a Muslim's questions. He can answer their objections because he used to be an imam. That's correct. And, and we find that more and more in places like Bangladesh, we see imams coming to faith. And they're able to share, yeah, that experience of, yes, I was an imam, 
But I, I found that Jesus is more than just a prophet, but he is the son of God and the savior of the world. And they have uh, in, just incredible open door to share with many, though they do face persecution. Yeah. The other thing that that story really brings to me is the idea that the church becomes our family. And you mentioned it in India as well. He was reject. He's beaten by his own brothers. The church has become his family. Yes, yes. And that's one thing we could pray for. You know, I think in India and Bangladesh and other countries, we hear stories of secret believers. And I was just talking to a brother the other day that lives in a village. There's 11 other believers in the village, but they're, quote, secret believers. And I say this not judgmentally. I've never lived in a situation right. where I am a minority and, and, and the pressure and this and that. But when they're secret, they don't have that fellowship with one another. They're all hiding. And the fellowship is so important, you know, and – Especially under persecution. Yes, I mean, under it's persecution. It's so important. It's so important. And, um, and so, yeah, we can pray that, that they will have that boldness to come out so they could fellowship and grow with one another and experience what it means to be part of that family of believers. Matthew, we have a few more minutes left, and yeah. I want to talk. I know you also have a story from Nepal, a, a place that's close to your heart. Talk about some of the people that we get a chance to come alongside as VOM, uh, and sometimes it's equipping them, sometimes it's training them, some, but often it's just encouraging them, saying, hey, you're yeah. doing a great job. Yes. God, God bless you as you're doing this. Talk a little bit about someone you met recently in Nepal. Yeah, so I, I, I was blessed to travel with a team of people that are doing ministry uh, along the Indian border in, in a place called Siddhaha. And Siddhaha is is uh, primarily populated by the Maithili people group. They speak Maithili. Uh, they would probably rather speak uh, Hindi versus Nepali if you talk to them. <laughs> and and one thing I remember uh, when I when I lived in Nepal was that even Nepalis did not want to live in Siddhaha. You know, you, you, you know, you have places of the world, you say, oh, I never want to go to that country. But then you go to that country, and then within that country, there's places that people don't want to go to. And Siddhaha is one of those places. It's hot. You know, uh, they say the water is black, you know. And um, But I was blessed to be able to go to Siddhaha, and we went to this small village and went to this church. Uh, it, it just looked like a, a wood hut, you know, that could maybe fit. 25, 30 people. And I sat down on the on the dirt floor and watched this young Nepali girl. She was probably in her early 20s teaching people in the church how to share their faith and how to disciple others. And it just, just amazed me just her confidence as she was sharing, you know, and and she was drawing figures on the on the whiteboard and on pieces of paper and she had signs up throughout the church, just things that she had taught them so they would memorize things. It was just an incredible experience to to see her and and and, and see how God was using her. Talk about her language acquisition, because this is Amazing! <laughs> this is miraculous. Yeah. So, so when I'm watching her, I know she's not mightily, you know. She and and so afterward, I'm talking to her, and and I said, "Where are you from?" She said, "I'm from Eastern Nepal." And I said, "How did you learn mightily?" 
You know, and she said, well, I came here six months ago, she, and she was sharing in Nepal, and she said, I have realized people didn't understand what I was saying. <laughs> and so she said, I begin praying that the Lord would help me learn Maitali. And in six months, she is fluent in wow. Maitali. I mean, she was, she was teaching in Maitali, you know, and I was just, wow, now this, this is someone that, you know, you, you'll, you'll never read a book about her, but you should. Yes. <laughs> you know, you should. You know, I mean, and anyway, I was just blown away how the Lord uses young, young women like her, young men, as, as they're just, they just have a love for people and to see people in their own country come to faith and be discipled in the Lord. Even and even to go to a part of the country that most Nepalis would say, no, I don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's correct. You know, I'm and, and 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 she even says, Yeah, my parents, who her parents are Christian, so she's second generation, but her parents ask her, Why do you want to go to Siddha? You know, and she says, Because many people don't know the Lord in Siddha, you know. So just amazing. The young, fields young are white. Woman. Yes. Matthew, as we think about your region broadly, you know, we've talked about India, we've talked about Bangladesh and Nepal. You also have sort of the Central Asia, Azerbaijan, Turkmenistan, some of those nations. What are some of the ways our listeners can pray this week for your region? Yeah, you know, I was just talking to several of my field leaders in Central Asia and we have no doubt there's more persecution in Central Asia that we know about. But because of the situation, the secrecy, it takes a long time to build trust, to build rapport with even believers there. One thing I would ask our listeners to pray for is just that the Lord would put the right people in our path. And then we do that, that my field leaders, our, our project managers will say the right things, do the right things to build trust so we can minister to those that are being persecuted. And so that's a that's a big thing yeah. for, for us in Central Asia. We have no doubt there's more ways that we can serve the church in, in, in that part of the world. And then just continue to pray as for us, give that the Lord would give us wisdom in how to continue to minister to the persecuted church in India as persecution grows that we will have the right staff needs, that we will have people that understand the culture, that we will have people that, that, that again, know the church well and have the right contacts so we can communicate. So please pray for those things. Amen. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted.